0: Welcome to the Shohaba Community Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. My uh, my great privilege this morning just to just to launch a new series um, talking about the topic of honour, and um, it's it's a, for me it's a very very important thing um, for us to understand and see how it applies to our lives, how we how we apply honour to our lives, how we apply honour to our relationships, how we apply honor to our homes and, and in our church and all those things. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the topic of honor uh, and, how, and see how important it is. I love what this gentleman, uh, Danny Silk, says about honor. He's written a book out of Bethel Church called The Culture of Honor. The culture of honor is a supernatural culture. I love that. The culture of honor is a supernatural culture. And you know, the, the word honor um, is not really held with much regard today. Come on, this morning. It's not really. It's not something that you talk about at your workplace. Um, not something you probably talk much at school. In fact, I remember a number of years ago um, um, highlighting the lack of honour in our uh, 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 community and society. I remember going to a lunchtime program, and and um, all these um, high school kids were there. And you know, high schools can get pretty wild at times, amen. But I just remember this one kid. And he would have been 13 years of age, um, I think in year seven. And he was standing pretty much on a, on a retaining wall like I am now. And the deputy principal came up to try and address him. And I remember watching the kid getting his finger and pointing it at the deputy principal and just lambasting him saying, you know, how de-? And it was just, I just stood there and looked at that and thought, how disgraceful is that? In fact, back in my day, if I had have tried to do that in high school... Uh, that, I remember my high school uh, principal, he used to sort us out very, very quickly. Back in that day, I had hair. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was flowing flocks of hair. And, but I remember, you know, one day being a little bit cheeky to one of the teachers and the principal coming up. He grabbed uh, a, a little thumbful of hair in my ear and twisted it and dragged me off, amen, to his office where he sorted me out very, very quickly. And, uh, but that doesn't happen today, I know. But I just think today, when we look across our, our communities and our societies, honor is not something that we really talk much about. The truth is honor is a virtue that has become of lesser value to us in our culture, the one that we live in. But the place of honor and the value of honor in our communities, in our families, in our churches, I believe is incredibly important to God. Amen? That's why we're doing this series called Honor's Reward so we can build our lives and our families on biblical principles. Everyone say biblical principles. I love Dr. Phil. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Every now and then you get to watch him and he shares good things but we're not meant to build our lives on the principles of Dr. Phil. We're meant to build our lives upon the principles of the Word of God. Amen. And the truth about God's principles and the truths of Scripture is that they are unchanging. Aren't you glad about that this morning? And the benefits and the blessings that they bring to our lives apply in every setting. And the truth is this, our world is changing, but God's principles are unchanging. Aren't you thrilled this morning about that? If you can get a principle from the Word of God and apply it to your life, it will add to your life, it will change your life, it will benefit your life. But you know, have you noticed how slowly but steadily the decline of morals in our society? You watch it, you know, stuff that we would have taken 20 years ago and gone, I can't believe that we're listening that or seeing that, today, 20 years on, has just become the norm. In fact, I don't know about you, but I get so disgusted when you see the ads on TV, a show that's out there at the moment called Switch Therapy. Switch Therapy. And basically what they're promoting is adultery. The couples that are having problems with um, their marriage and, and, and not, not being able to communicate properly and, and what the whole show is about well, is, was just try the greener pastures, try someone else and see whether or not that will fix up your marriage. The key to a great marriage is Jesus. Amen? He's the key to a great marriage. But you look at that in so many shows on the television today, our morals are declining at such a rapid, rapid rate. And the truth is, though, that God and and his ways and his principles are unchanging. There's great reward when we live by and apply God's principles to our lives. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. But I love this scripture even more so in Psalm 19, 9 to 11, talking about applying. Everyone say applying. The three of us said applying. Applying God's word to our life. Not just hearing it, but doing it. But it says it in Psalm chapter 19. It says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is worn, and in keeping them there is what? Come on, there is what? Great reward in keeping God's promises and applying his principles to our life. But the truth I've found is this. It takes focus and work to keep building our lives on God's principles. Especially when everything in our media is ripping apart what we would call biblical life principles. Everything in the media today is so opposed to God and to the word of God. Everything that we see today and so much of it in one way or another has a message that the truth of the word of God is no longer relevant. But I want to say this this morning about you and I. You and I are called to be people that swim against the currents rather than flow with the culture we are living in right now. We are called to live at a higher standard. Amen. Six of us. Amen. We're not called to go with the flow and to get caught up in all of the latest trends in the media and the stuff that we see on TV. And too many Christians don't realize the stuff that you allow yourself to watch on TV will affect you. Amen. And I'm not saying don't be a a prune today and don't watch TV. I'm not saying that this morning. But I think we should be very aware of what we're allowing to run past our eyelids. I think we should be very aware of what we're watching because everything has a message. Everything has the potential to affect you in either a positive way or in a Negative way. And the church is, and I believe will continue to be a light in the dark places. Amen. A light in the dark places. So over the coming weeks, we're going to look at the word honor and the importance of building a life, our family, and our churches on the principles of honor. So to start this morning, we want to ask the question: what does the word honor mean? The word honor is from the Greek word tima'o, and it means to revere or to value. To revere or to value. I looked at the Macquarie Dictionary definition of the word revere. Have a listen to what the definition of the word revere. It says to regard with respect tinged with awe. To regard with respect tinged with awe. So to honor others from a biblical perspective means to value them and regard them with great respect tinged with awe. I thought this morning, could we only imagine what that would do for our parliament? I just thought this morning, could you imagine if our politicians understood honour and applied the principle of honour to their dealings over and in our country? It would be astounding. But friends, this morning, this is how God calls us to live. That we are to treat others from a biblical perspective of honour to revere, to value, to have a tinge with awe when we're dealing with other people, amen. But too often today, we don't. So who are we to honor? Before we jump into a scripture in Mark chapter six, who are we to honor? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, be kindly affectionate to one another. Don't you love that? Be kindly affectionate, amen? Who's buying me coffee this morning? Oh, you will. Thanks. <laughs> Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour, giving preference to one another. Amen. My mother and father—they had—they um, had six kids. My mother had my mother had five children under five at one particular age, uh, uh, at one particular time uh, in our family. Five. Say it again. Five children under five. And uh, that was back in the day where if you wanted hot water in the morning, you had to get the briquettes out and start the boiler. That was back in the day where you didn't have a microwave, amen. You had a stovetop You get the pitcher. That was back in the day where if you wanted to do the washing, uh, it had to go through the wringer, amen. You had to be careful your fingers didn't get caught in the ringer. Anyone remember those? But, you know, my mom and dad would always say that we need to put each other, we need to put others first. That was always their message to us. That we have to love one another and put each other, put others first. And I believe it's the same, exactly the same in God's kingdom that He wants us to love each other and to put others before ourselves. Amen. Big challenge, but I believe that's what the Word of God encourages us to do. So, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 love in honor, giving preference to one another. But we're going to discover over the the next few weeks together that God calls us to honor our parents. One of, the, one of the commandments, honor your mother and father so it might go well for you. Listen to that there. We haven't got time to jump into that, that it may, well go, it may go well for you. But the Lord didn't say just honor your mother and father. He said, honor your mother and father, value, respect, treat them with a tinge of awe. He just didn't say that, but he went on to say so that it may go well for you. There's such a big message just in that there. Honor your mother and father so that it may go well for you. In other words, if you don't honor your mother and father, the potential could be quite negative. We're called to not only honor our parents, we're called to honor civil leaders. We're called to honor social leaders. We're called to honor domestic leaders. We're called to honor church leaders. We're even called to honor our spouses. You know, for me and for my children, I make sure that every time that I get picked up for a random breath test, In fact I like looking for them I do especially with the kids in the car because I like to use it as a way of illustration to make sure that we're placing honor on those those law enforcement officers that serve us because every time I get picked up I stop do the deal hopefully pass eh, (laughs) do the deal and then I say to them I say to them look them in the eye and I say I want to say thank you so much for what you're doing for us and for our community. Thank you very much, officer. Have a great day. And you know, often it's astounding to see their eyes. It's like they get, you know, like seriously, someone appreciates what we do. But I love to do that because it makes a little example to my children on the importance of placing honor, especially in regard to those that are in the law enforcement um, work in what they do. So I wanted to say this morning these are some of the areas that we're going to look at as to how and what it means to honor others but to set the stage for how important it is to value honor we're going to look at the effects of dishonor. I'm right this morning Mark chapter 6 you can open your bible there we want to have a quick look Mark chapter 6 Before we do that I want to recap a little bit of Mark chapter 1 through to 5 And just look at what Jesus has been up to prior to Mark chapter 6. Jesus has been traveling around the villages, performing all sorts of signs and wonders. In chapter 5 of the book of Mark, we find him casting out demons. Powerful. In Mark chapter 4, the winds and the waves obey his commands. I wish I could do that on Lake Illawarra. I just do. I just wish I could just. Tried it before. It hasn't happened. But in Mark chapter 4, the winds and the waves obey his commands. In Mark chapter 3, he heals a man with a withered hand. In Mark chapter 2, he heals a paralytic man. And in Mark chapter 1, we find Jesus healing many, casting out unclean spirits and cleansing lepers. But let's look at Mark chapter 6 here. In verse 5, it says this. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Listen to it again. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I want you to note there, it doesn't say that he would not or he did not want to. It says that he could not. I don't know about you, but every time I read this verse, it does my head in. Every time I read this verse, I just go, God, help me to so get it. The Son of God, the Son of the Most High, God incarnate, the living word, the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of the Jews, the light of the world, was not able to perform any miracles because he could not. His power to perform miracles was null and void. It was totally limited. Jesus could not do any miracles. And we've got to ask ourselves the question this morning, why? Why could he not? You saw what happened in Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 1. Miracles taking place in every chapter. But we get to chapter 6 and Jesus could not perform any miracles. Jesus Christ the Messiah, God incarnate, son of God's son of the man, son of the most high, winds and waves obey his commands. And yet he could not perform any mighty works. Could not. I know I'm laboring on that, but I just want us just to get the thought there. It's not that he didn't want to, but the environment and the culture that he was in didn't allow him to he could not do any mighty things. so let's have a look because we find in mark chapter 6 in the verses uh verses 1 through to 5 we start to look at the answer here and it says this and when the sabbath had come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying where did this man get these things and that this wis- uh, and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed at his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not these his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them. No, excuse me, it goes on. The point is this, or the picture is this. Jesus returns to his hometown and begins to teach as he would but it's the response of his hometown village that gives us an insight into why he could not. Because it says in verse four, I think it is, it says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? And is this not his sister here with us so that they were offended at him? Jesus is teaching in their synagogue. He's probably starting to minister out of Luke chapter four, how the Lord has anointed me to bring healing and deliverance, to set the captive free. And they look at him and say, he's just the carpenter, the son of Mary. Some of them probably thought he's the guy that built the table that we eat every night. Some of the others probably thought he built our chairs. Some of the other mothers probably thought he used to play with our kids. The mistake that they made was this. They viewed Jesus as the son of Mary, but could not get the picture that he was the son of God. And because of this, they were offended by what he was saying. But it's how Jesus responds to their thoughts and their words that's a thing for us to understand. Because Jesus says, goes on and says this. He says, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country among his own relatives, and his own house. What Jesus says is the reason why he could do no mighty work amongst them. They were dishonoring him. And because of this dishonor, his power was totally limited. Remember we've said before, a culture of honor is a culture of the supernatural. Remember we started that this morning. A culture of honor is the culture of the supernatural. These people, as Jesus came to to them, as he came to them, as they came to him, there was no honor. There was only dishonor there. And because of that, Jesus could do no mighty thing. Wow, how important is it for us to understand honor? How important is it us to understand the place and the power of honour in our lives, in our hearts, and in our families as well because if it affected Jesus' ability to perform miracles all those years ago, potentially what will dishonour do in our lives today? Wow. Doing a lot of spitting up here. But what a powerful thought. Dishonour. To dishonour, not to show respect or value to treat as common, ordinary, or menial. Think of it, Jesus was the son of God, with God's spirit, ready to heal the sick and all who were oppressed by the devil, but he could do little for his home village because they treated him as common, and because of this, they did not receive the healing and the miracles that Jesus obviously wanted to do. Dishonour disempowers the power of God and the blessing of God over our lives. When we live with dishonor, we are totally limiting God's work in our lives. What does it mean to honor? To value, to revere, to respect each other. This is what stopped the power of God from working in the lives of the people in Jesus' hometown. And the issue of honor is really the issue of heart. Excuse me, really the issue of the heart. And I love what John Bevere how he describes it. He says, honor or dishonor can be displayed in deed, word, or thought, but all true honor originates from the heart. Amen. And as people, as I conclude this morning, if I could just have the keyboard player, please. As a people of God, we always have the opportunity and the choice that we can either Um, live according to the principles of the word of God and choose the purpose of God or we can live out of our preferences the challenge to us is choosing the principles of God over our preferences how we typically honor others do I like them if I like someone I might honor them if I like the way they talk, if I like the way they lead, if I like the way that they dress, I might honor them. But That's not how God calls us to honor one another. It's got nothing to do with our preferences in life. It's got everything to do with choosing a higher purpose. How do we typically honor others as I said? But we are called to honor the God-ordained authorities in our lives. Teachers, police officers, parents, bosses, church leaders, even our politicians. Oh, That's hard. But God calls us to a higher standard church. We're not just to honor people and say, oh, well, you know, that's just Dave and Wendy. They're a couple of the old elders in the church. They're not that old, but, you know, old Dave and Wendy. You know, let's just treat them as uh, as normal members of the church. You know, they're just average Joe blows. Yes, they are average Joe blows and they're just like you and I, but they've been called by God. And we're called to honor the leadership and the mantle that God's, Respect, revere, a tinge of awe. You you know, David and Wendy, they're normal people. They're good people, really, really good people. You have a cup of coffee with David and Wendy, they're just like you. They've got their own challenges and things, and they've got kids that they're raising and all that stuff, and that's great, but never, ever, never, ever fall for that thought of just treating them like just ordinary people in the church because they're not. They carry a mantle of authority we've got to respect that mantle we've got to we've got to revere revere the, the the call of god that's upon their life don't just treat them as ordinary that's what that's what they did to jesus and i'm not saying that they're jesus but the same principles apply amen we're called to live at a higher standard and i believe for our church god wants us to go to that place where we start to truly honor one another not whether or not we like people or the way that they dress the way they talk or they look but we honor them because of the authority that they, they carry, because of who God has called them to be. You see, if we start to live at that level of honor, remember again, he could do no mighty miracle because they dishonored, they treated him as average. Wow. It's a great thought, isn't it? It's a power. What a challenge to us as a church. God's like calling us up the ante now. The, the understanding of honoring one another. I just love it. I could keep raving on, but I better not. So, teachers, police, or parents, bosses, church leaders, and even our own politicians. That was a mistake I made many, many years ago. I placed the importance of honour around my preferences. I remember the transition that went took place many years ago in our state. It went from having David Schaefer as our state chairman, I think for 14 years, many many years working under David Schaefer, and then a new guy came on on board called Phil, Phil Campbell. Phil was, uh, oh, Phil's younger than me and um, hadn't been in ministry for as many years, and I had all these lists of things as to why I thought I thought I sh- you know. Yeah, he's the state chairman, but really, you know, he's just another one of us. God really challenged me about that. Challenged me. That was the wrong way to view my state. It was the wrong way to view the leader that God had placed over me. And I thank God that he saved me through that because I just know that dishonor takes you down a path potentially that is damaging for you. And God really spoke to my heart many years ago about this. It's got nothing to do with the person, what they look like, how they speak. It's got everything to do with God ordaining them in that role over my life. And as a result of that, I am meant to honour them. Respect and revere them with a tinge of awe. What a challenge to our culture today. Amen. So today, the application is this. Today, who is God calling you to honour that maybe right now you are dishonoring. And I want to throw it right out there as we conclude this morning. Maybe God's calling you to honor your boss. Maybe God's calling you to honor your teachers. I don't know who it is today, but I believe that for every one of us, there would be people in our world that God is calling us to up the ante because there is a reward for those that honor God by honoring others. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Thank you this morning for the power and the truth in your word today. Lord, as we've opened up that that picture in Mark chapter 6, may we all dwell on that. May we uh, meditate upon that. May we just continue to consider the words there, that he could do no mighty miracle. Could we please, Lord, help us to understand that and go a little bit deeper this week in understanding the power of honor. And Father, I pray for our church family Uh, for our families and our church family, our church community. God, may we continue to honour one another. May we continue to get it, to understand it, to apply it to our lives in every setting, Lord, because we know that the culture of honour is a supernatural culture as well. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. Hallelujah. While every head's bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be a personal Lord or Saviour, well, you may be here this morning and you're away from God, you, you, you've had a relationship with Him, but things have happened and that's drawn you away, I want to encourage you this morning. Today's your opportunity to connect with God. Today's your opportunity to surrender your life to Him today and to begin afresh or for the first time receive the great gift of salvation that God offers us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And while every head's bowed, just quickly, I would love you to raise your hand to say, yes, Shane, that's me this morning. I would love to receive Jesus as my Saviour. Well, Shane, today I would love to recommit my life to him. Just as I look across the auditorium this morning, just very quickly, very quickly, anyone like that today, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.